Scanning. Identity authorized. Welcome to the Secret Superhero Club Podcast Network. Welcome to the Animation Station Podcast, your home for discussions and debates about all things animation. Each week, we'll rank, review, and revel in animated shows from yesterday and today, and from around the world. So grab your Acme slingshot, set your mobile suit to autopilot, and put on your mouse ears. The Animation Station Podcast begins now. So you get Alan Tudyk. So it sets, uh, which one was Alan Tudyk? Uh, he was uh, Ludo. The which boss, one was Ludo? Oh, the boss, boss monster. monster. The little guy? Little guy. Nice. And uh, he's also Star's dad. Okay. And then you got uh, Mona Lise, jean Ralphio's sister. Mm-hmm. And uh, what was she? She was deputy mayor. It, was it Bellwether? Was that her name in Zootopia? I don't remember. The little sheep? I know who you're talking about, yeah, but I don't remember. There at the Mickey's Halloween party at Disneyland, there mm-hmm. were several people dressed up as her in the orange prison jumpsuit, That's which was awesome. Uh, I I don't know if it would have made it as much sense if it was just like in her regular outfit. It made a lot more sense that way, but it was really funny. Dead Space. Dead Space is a pretty fun game series. Didn't know where we wanted to start. Was thinking. To... Doing Stranger Things, maybe. Maybe doing some Stranger Things, some Peanuts things. Peanuts. That was a that was a good mashup. That was really good. Was really I good don't like the up. Peanuts, but they did a great like job. That's yeah, boring and dude, strong Christian overtones. Yeah, it's just it's not entertaining to me. That especially that stupid Christmas special where they ice skate for what an hour and a half. Ugh, it's interminable. It never ends. And yeah, it's just that same phrase over and over and over again. Uh, you're depressing me now. Oh, wait, then it goes up. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, I just, I don't like it. Oh, no, it's the best. Like, uh, oh, what's what's his name? His name's Charlie Brown. Yeah. Uh, Peppermint Patty. Those two together. Yeah, that's your ship? That's my ship, hmm. is... Peppermint Patty and Charlie Brown. Excellent. I, uh, I'm i okay with that. I didn't like in the movie it was like uh, Charlie Brown, the little red-headed girl. I was like, no. Who's the red-headed girl? She's the little red-headed girl. What's the her one name? That, the one that he has a crush on. I'm sure she has a name, but oh, it's, but basically the whole entire time she's the little red-headed girl. Huh. Like in the comic, she's just the little red-headed girl. Oh. I, man, I didn't know there was such a character. Yeah. I don't pay attention to the Peanuts, obviously. Well, Clearly. You, sh- you should. Yeah, I it's like Garfield sh- better. Schroeder and Pigpen. And... Oh, I know who's in it. Yeah. Except the little redheaded girl. I didn't Dude, know about her. Garfield sucks. No, he's awesome. No, he's yeah. like Meryl better than Garfield. Meryl? Who's Meryl? Isn't isn't the cat's name Meryl? The little gray one? I don't remember that. See, you don't even know their See, names. See, it's like it's like, like it. they invent new characters for like younger generations, and like I read the old ones, and Dude, I don't think there was right? another cat. Yeah, in the there old was ones. there was a little gray cat, and she was around for a long time. She used to be in the Saturday morning comics and stuff. Yeah, Sunday in your day. Comics. In your day. 
in my day. We lived in the same day. There was only a cat, a dog, and a really and sad a, single and John man. John Arbuckle. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember another cat. I, I could have just forgotten, but I, I never remember seeing another cat. Poor shame. So Meryl you don't could remember right. a lot of things, like That's Jabberjaw. And... Well, no, I never knew of Jabberjaw, so I can't know remember. Space Ghost? No. Yes. The Brack Show. Man. Dude. I, mean, I can't remember things that I wasn't aware of. We need to watch some Harvey Birdman. Okay. Just so I can get I am you, aware just so I can get you in with more Hanna Barbera stuff. I mean, I watched a lot of Hanna Barbera, but not those. But apparently, you don't know Jabberjaw. Yeah, because what? It lasted buggy. five minutes, and it was a show that never got syndicated where I lived. Do you know? Uh, uh, what was it? Was it? Was it? Oh, crap! Quick Draw McGraw. You know, Quick Draw. Quick, I've heard of Quick Draw McGraw, oh but it was never shown where I lived. That's the thing about children's television, especially back in the 80s and before that. So much of it was shown regionally that when I, when I moved out of my homeland of Utah and went off to college and had conversations with people about the shows they watched as kids, they had a completely different selection of shows you know, that they saw that I never even heard of because they did not play them where I lived. So you, know, you grew up in a completely different part of the country than I did. You had some different shows. Now, there was the very big ones that everybody saw. You know, I mean, everybody had Looney Tunes syndicated where they were or things like that. But Jabberjaw was something that never played in Utah. Did you ever watch Tiny Tunes? Um, I think I watched a little bit of it. I was kind of over the kitty cartoons by the time that came around. So I was much more into the feature animation by then. Yeah, I was getting more into that the anime around that time yeah yeah and see and then it's just recently that i started going back into like the kitty cartoons mm -hmm. which yeah. is weird well i mean there's nothing wrong with the kitty cartoons it's just i you know that i just I, there was a lot of things that happened like in the 90s and early 2000s that i was aware of but it didn't really hold my interest gotcha so yeah i um don't know who jabberjaw is except from your explanation just so sad. I'm kind of fine with you know not knowing who Jabberjaw is. But, you, but it's not fine that you don't know who Jabberjaw is. I mean, it's in the same school as Scooby Doo, and Scooby Doo is quite boring. But, but Vincent Price was in the Thirteen Ghosts of Scooby Doo. I well, know we've talked that, about that. That doesn't before. take anything away from Vincent Price, but it it's certainly Vincent doesn't Price. add much to Scooby Doo. Oh. It's yeah, it's an unsavable show. Oh well. Yeah. After that buzzkill, you're ready to start this episode. <laughs> Let's do it. Welcome to episode number 14 of the Animation Station Podcast. I'm Gavin. I'm... Yeah, no, I'm Gavin. Oh, my bad. I'm Josh. You almost had me there. Darn. And this episode is... Episode 5 of, of Spooktober. The final Spooktober yeah. episode. Five Spooktobers. That's pretty, pretty cool. It's our first series. We may do it again. We probably will. Yeah, I'm sure we will. We gotta find another spot in the year to do it and with an appropriate theme. Well, for May, we could totally do anime. Oh, we should just do, do that. All anime stuff in That's May. That's a great idea. We should totally do that. Anime is copyright. You can't use it unless you want to. Then you can. We'll just do anime May. I mean, we don't have that to. That sounds stupid. We don't just have to just slam call it everything anime. Together. I mean, the world is obsessed with smashing words together to create yeah. a new concept. We don't have to do that. We're not sheeple. <laughs> whatever you taught me that word earlier today yeah oh sheeple and it's ironic because i was arguing against smashing words together so i like anime may we should do that but spooktober 
was, I thought it was really fun. I had a blast doing it, and I'm excited to talk about today's. But um, first... We do have some stuff we have to talk about. We got some stuff to talk about. Um, First of all, um, I just got back from Disneyland. And Disneyland was magical, as always. And I really want to talk about a few things um, that you can do in the park that have that are directly related to animation. You know, thing experiences that you can have, things that you can do. Uh, the cool thing about Disneyland and all the Disney parks is that they were really built on animation. And you know, we wouldn't have Disneyland if it wasn't for the success of Walt Disney Animation. And it created this entirely new thing of a theme park and you know we owe a lot of that to you know the early days of Walt Disney and the success therein so uh, before I talk a little bit about the cool animation related things you can do in the park I have a little surprise for you Josh a surprise for Josh I brought you a little something <gasps> from Disneyland one of the things that is popular amongst park goers is the pins. Doll whips. Oh, the I got pins. A pin? And many people end up collecting them. Ooh. But um, I got you a little something from a little show that I know you like to watch. I like to watch. It's not your favorite show, but it is a current show that you're enjoying. Okay. There you go. Dude, awesome! It's <laughs> Keon. Yeah. Dude, the, that's the bad. Lion Guard. I'm gonna wear it. I'm gonna put it on my backpack. <laughs> oh, I like so. the little pin stoppers and the little mouse mm-hmm. ears. Yeah, they're they're, they're high quality pins. They're, Dude, that's awesome. I always try and get one or two when I'm there, and I searched high and low for something so Gravity cool. Falls, but since that show's no longer on, well, they no, it's no also it's have. also a Disney Channel show, and they don't like doing those. Well, they had other Disney Channel things, but they're all things that are currently showing. So that's dude, that's ba. I love. I'm it. glad you like it. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. I and I didn't get you anything. Well, you didn't go to Disneyland. I did not go to Disneyland. All right. So, okay. So, at the parks, there are five main things that you can do directly related to animation that I want to talk about. The first one is kind of obvious. And right now, I don't know how long they're going to – I guess probably up until the movie comes out. But at the uh, Bugs Life Theater, they have brought in a Moana extended preview. And the cool thing about the Bugsland Theater is that it has other physical special effects in it. So they make it 4D. So you're watching it in 3D, and then they actually like splash water on you and things like that as you watch it. It makes it really neat. But uh, this extended preview is, I, don't, I didn't get a runtime on it, but it's probably 10, 12 minutes long. Jeez. So it gives you a lot of really good uh, scenes and shots from the movie. So you get a a really clear understanding of what this movie is going to look like and it looks gorgeous. I, I'm really impressed with the level of animation that the Walt Disney Studio is um, outputting right now with their 3D animation and I, I really think in a lot of ways that they're topping what Pixar is doing uh, in the last few years. I've just been more satisfied with the Disney films than the Pixar films. And so I am super excited for Moana and watching this extended trailer just got me even more excited it nice. just kind of really piqued my interest and gave, left me with a ton of questions that I can't wait to get answered once I watch the film so if you get the chance to go to the parks between now and then you can kind of uh, whet your appetite <laughs> no pun intended <laughs> uh, <laughs> for a little Moana 
Um, the other thing that I did, and I had the, the pleasure of uh, meeting up with an artist friend of mine. His name is Anthony Helmer. If you guys uh, want to go and follow him on Instagram, he's uh, Anthony Helmer Art. Or is he just Anthony Helmer? I think he's just Anthony Helmer on Instagram. Anyway, if you type in that, you'll find him. And um, we went to the Animation Academy together, and the class that we went to was the Learn How to Draw Baymax class. And so we got to learn how to draw him, all of his proportions. And um, this, the Animation Academy is something that not a lot of people do when they're at the park. But it's a really neat little um, diversion. You know, it, it doesn't take long to do. The class, I think, is like 15 minutes long. But you get a, a, an instructor comes up, and they have a, a board that they draw on, and it gets projected up on a big screen. And they just walk you through how to draw it. And you have a clipboard and a piece of paper and a pencil. And you draw along with them. And you get to take your drawing with you. And it's a little extra Is souvenir. Is that free? Is it? A, no, it's totally free. It's totally just free. like all the other attractions, it's totally free. And you can do it as many times as you want. And they have a schedule of characters. So you can like look at the schedule and say what ones today are available that I want to draw. Sweet. And you show up at that time and you can go into the class and draw it. It's really cool. And Anthony Helmer is Anthony.Helmer. On, on Instagram. Instagram. Okay, Anthony.Helmer. Uh, go check him out. He does a lot of really cool um, character designs. Um, he does lots of Disney, lots of comic book characters. And he does them all in a, in a really cool um unique pinup style uh so go give him a follow uh, tell him animation station podcast sent you now in the same area in this animation building in california adventure is the sorcerer's workshop and what's cool about the sorcerer's workshop is it's also interactive and it kind of gives you other glimpses into some of the basic principles of animation and one of the coolest things you can do is you can actually draw your own strip and put it into a zoetrope and spin it around and watch it get animated. So you can make the horse thing and make the horse run? Yeah, exactly. So they give you a strip and you basically just, you know, draw whatever you want, a bouncing ball or a walking character or, you know, like you said, a running horse, whatever you want to draw. And you put it in the little drum and it's got the little slots that you view it through and you just spin it around and watch how you're drawing moves you could draw maximus running yeah yeah i mean if you if i had all day and night and probably another day i could probably pull that off i don't know animation is very complicated that's the cool thing about this too is that it kind of shows you how you know this is a very difficult skill and it gives you a bigger appreciation of what animators do but that's a whole neat area and that's just one piece of the um, sorcerer's workshop you walk through and you see like the beast's library and I mean, there's all kinds of things in there. It's it's kind of a discovery zone type area where you walk through and things reveal themselves along the way. So if you're in California Adventure, those are really neat things that you can do in that animation building. And they can, you know, fill up, you know, an hour of your time. And it's really nice and cool in there. So if it's a hot day, I totally recommend it. Um, one other thing that you can do uh, throughout the parks, I know that you can do it at Off the Page Gallery and at the Disneyana Gallery in Disneyland, is you can watch artists draw Disney characters and you can commission them or purchase character drawings from them. And I always like stopping to watch them for a little bit because, you know, they've been, they practice drawing Disney characters and they've been trained on, you know, the ins and outs of you know, each character has specific proportions and, 
And just to watch them draw these characters with such ease and, you know, create them so quickly and so accurately, I really appreciate. I, I um, enjoy watching them. And, you know, you can basically have them draw any character you want and they'll do it. And they have different prices if you want multiple characters and things like that. I think the prices start at 40 bucks, which isn't too bad. And they give you, it's like an 11 by 14 sheet with a That's pretty large character drawing on it. And so um that's that's also a nice souvenir to take home you know a, a character drawn live at disneyland is is kind of a neat thing and then the last thing i want to talk about is they have on main street in disneyland they have a little cinema there and it's called the main street cinema and it's basically it looks like an old-timey cinema and there's a little um ticket booth with a you know basically a mannequin in it dressed up like an old-timey ticket taker and and then you walk through a turnstile and through a red velvet curtain. And what's inside is it's a circular room that's all, it's dark like a theater. And around the walls, they have six different screens. And on each screen, they're showing a different short film from the old black and white days from the 20s and 30s. Okay. And so they're showing Mickey Mouse cartoons. There's um, a couple of Donald Duck cartoons. Uh, they're all in they're all silent except for one they're playing the audio for one which is the very first sound cartoon which was steamboat willie and it's cool because you get to watch them in their entirety and um, that also is a nice little diversion you can just duck in there on a busy day and most of the time i've gone in there i've had the room to myself maybe one or two other people so you can really just pause and enjoy these old cartoons and for me, I like doing that because it's a real kind of touchstone moment when you're in the park to say this is, you know, Walt has been quoted as saying, you know, think to think it all started by a mouse or started with a mouse. And when you're in that room on Main Street watching these old Mickey Mouse cartoons and imagining where we are today and all of the Disney parks that are around the world, it's a really neat thing to kind of look back at the, you know, ancestral you know, see that it all started with foundation. These black and white uh, yeah, animations. exactly. It's really fascinating, and to see the level of animation that was happening then, as far as you know, technique and special effects, and at the time it was incredibly groundbreaking and impressive, and in many ways it still is. But then you go across and you watch that Moana trailer, and just the the chasm of difference between those two. It's immense and impressive, and I and I love seeing Disney through the lens of history and how it brought us to today. So I highly recommend that. A lot of people never step into that room and don't even know what's in there. So anybody going to the parks, if you've never done it, I recommend stepping in there, even if it's just for a couple of minutes, just to see what it is. And you'll probably get sucked into a, a short cartoon. You'll probably laugh. So I totally recommend it. Nice. And... See, that's one of those things that I wish that I would be able to be able to go to Disney and do some of these things, like do like that little sketching thing, watch the people, um, you know, everything. I, I wish I had the opportunity to be able to do that. Well, um, now that you mentioned that, um, I think you probably will have that opportunity. What do you mean, Gavin? Well, um, we have a big announcement to make, and the announcement is this. The Animation Station podcast will be going 
to the 2017 D23 Expo. What? Yes! We're so excited. I was planning on going, and we made it work out um, that Josh could go too. So we are going to have a full presence at the D23 Expo. Uh, we may be doing some little on-site interviews. We may be doing some meetups with some other podcasters. We may be just geeking out in general, but we're going to be there. We're going to experience it. We're going to come back and report it all. And we're super excited. I can't wait to show Josh around, show him the ropes of Disneyland Resort, and then also the expo. And, man, I'm so excited. Are you excited, Josh? Yes, and maybe we'll run Excellent. into some – yeah, like you said, maybe we'll run into some – I apologize for my earlier transition. I was trying to set it up for Gavin, and <laughs> I was like, I wonder – I hope he gets this. I hope he gets this. Um <laughs> But I, yeah, I hope we run into some other you know podcasting friends that we know that are gonna be there. I think like, we definitely uh, like will. Like those Cloud City cast guys. Like it would be cool to meet Brittany. <laughs> maybe, Ooh. maybe Remy. Ooh, that's, some that's shade about, being thrown right it. now. That's about uh, it. Uh, <laughs> no, yeah, we we definitely want to uh, meet up with uh, our fellow podcasters, but also we'd love to meet up with any of our listeners. So, you know. Shout us out if you're gonna if you're planning to go to the expo next year. We'd love to meet everybody. Uh, we'll have tons of animation station buttons to give away, maybe some other stuff that we can throw around, some ASP swag, and uh, yeah, I'm man, I'm so excited that we're all going. Me too. It's gonna be a blast. It's gonna be great. So, you ready to move into our main topic? Let's go straight into this bundle of fun. Let's do it. So for Spooktober number five, it's the granddaddy of them all. The one you've all been waiting for, Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas. Now, I am well documented already as loving this movie. Josh. <laughs> Here it comes. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to ask me a question. No, 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 no. I, I just, I just, just throw it out there, man. Okay. Just tear the Band-Aid off. So... This well, do you want to do any sort of background first before I go straight into my wonderful thoughts on this movie? Let let's let's um let's do that. Uh, let okay. me give a little bit of background on it, and then we'll get into our discussion of the film itself. So, I mean, I'm not going to get too detailed here because everybody knows this movie. It, it's got a huge following, and its history is pretty well known. But I, I do want to jump in with a few facts course this movie is 23 years old it came out in 1993 the year before uh, Lion King the year after Aladdin so I think in a lot of ways commercially and in theaters it may have been overshadowed by some of the other larger Disney things but um, you know it really paved the way for what we've seen in stop-motion over the last two decades and it's it's a very important moment in animation history I think so uh, the director, uh, Henry Selleck, who also did James the Giant Peach, which you like, yes, uh, who also did Coraline, um, you know, he, he is the director of this movie. It's executive produced by Tim Burton and Denise Denovi. Um, you know, it's labeled as a Tim Burton film, but that was largely for branding purposes because he had already become a success at that point. But he wasn't very involved in a hands-on way in the production of this movie or in the actual making of the movie. Um, you know, he provided the foundation yeah, this for is it, just a poem, wasn't the original it? poem from 1982, uh, his character drawings from his sketchbooks and kind of the skeletal structure of the movie is his. And then the, the writers and, and uh, Henry Selleck and his team 
really took that vision and made it into the film that we know today using Tim as the foundation, but then a lot of other artistic influences. You know, it was made up in San Francisco and Tim was uh, concurrently directing um, Batman Returns. So okay. he wasn't able to be there um, because of those demands. And then also he kind of, you know, had given the reins to that team to just use his vision and, you know, make it what we know today. Um, of course, the other notable on, on the crew is Danny Elfman, who did the music, mm -hmm. also provided the singing voice of Jack Skellington. Um, we, we brought up this question on one of our podcasts a couple episodes ago about did he do the speaking for Jack Skellington? Mm -hmm. He did not. It was um, the voice actor Chris Sarandon. Um, he's the one that does the speaking, but Danny Elfman does the singing. And Elfman wrote all the music for this movie. It is a signature Elfman soundtrack. Uh, most people know it. Uh, most people love it. And, um, you know, it's, it's become one of the most successful Disney soundtracks in the entire canon. So um, it, it really, in a lot of ways, put Elfman on the map in the general consciousness of moviegoers and film lovers. So if for that reason, it's also, I think, a very important piece. Um, like I said, it originated as a poem in 1982, and they had pitched it early on as just an animated short or even a television special, like a 30-minute holiday special. Yeah. And it just kind of grew from there, um, even though it, it got you know, kind of shelved a few times over the years. Um, Tim Burton kept coming back to the idea, and... Um, you know, it basically just finally got um, greenlit um, because, you know, Burton left Disney and then he had a couple of big successes with um, Pee-wee's Big Adventure and Batman. And so at that point, he kind of had a little more cachet and could, um, you know, pitch ideas and, and get a little more across. So, you know, it all kind of came together and they started production in the early 90s for this movie and... They were using dozens of sound stages. Uh, like I said, it was up in San Francisco where they made it. And um, it's a hugely ambitious piece, especially for that time, because stop motion wasn't a mainstream thing in the early 90s, like I feel like it is now. And, I mean, I remember the first time I saw this just being blown away by that sheer ambition uh, of, you know, the, the set design and the characters and the storyline and it's not super long it's an hour 16 is that what we said it was, so, like it was 76 16. minutes yeah so it's not super long but it's filled with so much that happens and that you see in that movie that i'm i'm just always impressed by it um so uh, the other interesting thing about this is that you know now it's released under the disney label but originally they released it under their what they kind of called their adult label which was touchstone and that was invented so they could do things like Who Framed Roger Rabbit and you know other things that weren't really for that core Disney audience, but they wanted to branch out and do some other things. And so when this one came along, they felt, eh, this might be a little, little too dark for the Disney label, so they put it out on Touchstone. Um, so anytime I see that Touchstone logo with the thing that comes across the bottom of the screen, mm -hmm. my first thought is Nightmare Before Christmas, because this is the first Touchstone picture that I really fell in love with. Uh, I mean, I always loved Two Frame Roger Rabbit, but this this movie just, you know, touched me from the first time I saw it. So. Okay. All right, so let's discuss The Nightmare Before Christmas. You got it. 
Go ahead, Josh. What do you think about this film in general? I thought the movie was all right. We've said this before on, I think, basically this whole entire month. Right. That I'm not a fan of Halloween. Yes. I don't like, you know, Halloween monsters, anything like that. I didn't like the way the characters were designed. Well, the majority of the characters. Okay. Like, all the, like, the ancillary characters. Like, Jack Skeleton, I thought Jack Skeleton looked fine. Mm -hmm. he, there was nothing wrong with him, mainly because I've seen him on shirts mm -hmm. for the last 20 years. Sure. Um, I thought Sally was fine. I thought Zero was fine. Um, the mayor... I, I guess, but really <laughs> nobody else. I really, I didn't like the way that they were designed. And like with Oogie Boogie, it's just like, well, that's just like a guy in a burlap sack. I mean, that's all he looked like to me. <laughs> so I, right. I didn't like the whole bit with uh, like when we go through that first little bit and you have like the vampires. I thought those were kind of cool looking. The vampire mm -hmm. guys, yeah, they looked kind of fun. Like how they had like the umbrellas the yeah. whole entire time. Yeah. I thought that was, I thought that was cute. But yeah, like the werewolf guy, the witches, the dude who's like drippy, like the melting guy, mm -hmm, yeah. the skeletons. I'm like, I don't, I don't care about any of these. Yeah. Now I, it, yeah, I was shocked to find out first of all, um, a couple months back that you'd never seen this movie. It's hard for me to believe that people that like animation haven't seen it, but I still meet people that have never seen Star Wars. So there's something wrong with the world, and you know, this is just one of those things. And um, you know, so. It is interesting to me that you're coming to it now, 23 years later, after hearing all the hype and all the cult following of it and, you know, seeing the merchandise and it's it's become such a well-known thing and a well-loved thing that, you know, it, it is interesting to have somebody watch it now for the first time um, and, you know, experience it um, in a way that I never did because I knew nothing of it the first time I saw it mm -hmm. and it was so fresh and new. And I think that may have affected some of, you know, how you felt about it. But I think, you know, your first point is, is what really affects it in that you're not big on the Halloween genre, you know, that, that creepy, scary, spooky, monstery, dirty, grimy holiday yeah, I don't look. Like that type of stuff. And I think that's what is one of the things that makes this film interesting to me is that they really took a lot of Tim Burton's original sketches of these characters and really recreated them rather faithfully from, you know, really sketchy sketchbook characters into 3D molded characters. And I think one of the things that creates Tim Burton's overall style and i'm talking about his entire film catalog it it's similar to guillermo del toro where they're they're seeking to find the beautiful in the ugly or the traditionally unesthetic and they're trying to find some sort of beautiful aesthetic within those things that you know isn't you know kind of comes out of left field yeah and so that's one thing that I find fascinating about it. You know, I don't find the Wolfman in this movie pleasing to look at, but I find him really fascinating to look at, you know, and, and the, the ones that I really get a kick out of seeing, you don't see them much is, is the corpse mom and the corpse kid on the leash. Oh yeah. I, I just, every time they come on screen, I'm just fascinated by them. Like, ha, what, ha, this is amazing. Yeah, right? How do you come up with this? 
zany stuff and you know you mentioned the melting man i think he's great too i love the zombie band they're like my some of my favorite yeah, characters cool. i just think they're neat and cool and they just chill out on the corner and play their you know minor keyed music and and that's all they do they're just cool but you know i think the that visually this is so expansive and so um, painstakingly created that i'm always um wrapped when i watch this movie I, I can't look away from it and i think the character design is just a small piece of that because the sets in this movie are incredible they they also really stay true to a lot of tim burton's sketches but they bring in so much other influence like german expressionism and you know when they go to christmas town it's it's much more bright and you know has more of those traditional christmas special movie feels to it like mm -hmm. rudolph and even dr seuss things like that and i just love that this movie has so much texture and um you know it feels like it's a fully realized world and we talked about that a little bit in the uh, paranorman episode yeah. where it felt like these were actual places mm -hmm. like these characters lived and created holidays and interacted you know in a real way in these places you know jack's house and dr frankelstein's laboratory and even oogie boogie's lair are they felt like real places where these people lived and you know had their lives and i i just i'm really impressed by that you know there are some stop motion films that you know they have stop motion characters in them but you can kind of tell that well, most of the background is just a backdrop. It's just CG. It's just, you know, a matte painting or whatever. But these had such depth to them. You know, you could see trees in the forest, you know, going back, you know, across yeah. the stage. And you could see, you know, other buildings in Halloween Town. Or you could see the graveyard with the curly hill, that iconic yeah, well, hill in the background. Well, that's the thing. Like, the scenery and, like, the set and the set design, I liked all that. Like, mm -hmm. I really like Jack's house. Yeah. How it's like kind of slender and then it gets bigger yeah. as it goes up. I uh -huh. thought that was really cool. My thing is I don't like the characters. Like the scenery mm -hmm. and everything mm -hmm. I thought was great. Same thing with uh, like when we did Corpse Bride. Like right. I really like the scenery and the set of Corpse Bride. It's just the characters. Yeah. It, it didn't work for me. And and the um, it makes sense because we – and we talked about this last night. Um, the the highest movie you rated in our Spooktober series here was Hotel Transylvania. Yeah. And those are all classic Halloween characters, but they made them cute yeah. or pretty or, you know, it's kind of a cleaned up, romanticized style of those characters. There's nothing dirty or grungy or, you know, grimy or ugly about real. any of them. Yeah, it looks like a cartoon. Yeah. And so it totally speaks in a more direct way to your animation sensibilities. So it totally makes sense to me, you know, that this movie on that level fell a little flat for you because this is, this is a grungy Gothic piece, you know, that it's a lot of it is, is intentionally ugly. You know, they're trying to create this beautiful thing out of ugly things mm -hmm. and it totally makes sense to me. Yeah. So you want to move into the story? Oh, story? Okay. Yeah. Uh, obviously, the go-go music or story next. Yeah, let's, let's do story. Story. Um, what do you think about the story? I mean, I, I feel like you liked it okay. Yeah, I mean, I like the story okay. Going back, the my only detractor was 
the design of the characters. Mm-hmm. I, I the story, you know, is fine. It feels like it's been done before. Yeah, see, which, that's which, where we which, disagree. Which I know because yeah. we talked about this last night. But my whole th- with uh, my whole thinking of that was we've had movies like older movies where it's set in a town like mm-hmm. what we were talking about when we were talking about Rudolph. Like this is Christmas Town. Like right. the North Pole, that's all what this is. I feel like we've done that before. The only thing different was the they were able to just go to another town. See, I don't think we've ever done that with any other holiday besides Christmas. Which 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 I'm And none with of you those other that, things ever I, reference other holiday towns or even know that they exist in any real way. Yeah, that's I where I think, I think matters, this one takes though. a huge leap as far as concept because it you know, posits this idea that there is an individual town that is basically the holiday that we know, and each of these towns is busy all year making that holiday happen. And there's also this idea that they don't know about each other. They're only concerned with their one holiday. They do that, they kill it, and then they move on to the next year. And by some mystical night thing that happens, you know, Jack walks through the forest and happens upon the, the portals to the other holidays and so and sets off this cataclysmic chain of events um, when he decides to take over this bright, colorful, glitzy new holiday that he just discovered. And I don't think anything like that has ever been told. I think it is a very unique story in a world of ununique stories. I, I think it's it's really clever and I love the way that they they pull it off you know i think um kind of the next iteration of that was did you ever see rise of the guardians no where you've got like saint nick no that's uh legend of the guardians this is the one with that features jack frost and it's got saint nick and it's got uh, the easter bunny yeah right (laughs) uh easter bunny and it's got the tooth fairy and it's got the sandman and that's, those aren't all holidays, but it's kind of a similar concept, except they all know about each other, and they're kind of like a band of heroes, so to speak. So, I mean, that's kind of the closest thing I can think of. Well, I mean, of. Wreck-It Ralph. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, they I mean all, we're they all specifically have their, talking their about holidays, games. though. Well, I mean, I mean, just like the concept yeah, of a, being able to go into it's like jumping like another into another dimension world. or something. Like, yeah. yeah, I get that. But, I mean... This predates those. Yes. You know, I think this was really original in its time. You know, 23 years ago, I can't think of anything that predates this that has any sort of storyline that's close to this concept where holidays are concerned. You can probably find some sci-fi story that, you know, is similar to this. But in a in a kid's holiday movie kind of scenario it's just brilliant it's such a genius idea i think and i i, I love it I, I think it's really well told i think the pacing of it is good there's there aren't any yeah, slow there, moments any in this movie for me yeah, even during some that. of the ballads they're just so beautiful and and well lyriced that the story is always moving and you know like we said it's only 76 minutes long so i feel like it's completely palatable and digestible and it's easy to pop in and watch yeah i i I can see i could have seen this being like an hour and a half movie Mm -hmm. but 
it seems like they just took all the fluff that they would have done for the hour and a half movie right. and just com- concised it. I did like that about the movie. It was pretty like, this is the point. Here we're going. Here we go. Here yeah. we go. Here we go. We're done. Yeah, there's no dead space no. in it. That's one of the, the pros to this movie because you know, some animated movies, especially you know Disney has had a long history of problems with this where they decide to do a sort of distraction scene and it just goes on and on and on. You're like, come on, move on. This is not serving the plot in any way. Let's go. You know, I think way back in Snow White, they had that stupid scene with the turtle trying to get up the stairs. And it's like, no, we don't need to see this anymore. And in Cinderella, the mice with the stinking seeds. And it's like, come on, we don't need to see this forever. But this movie doesn't have any of that. There's none of that really like you know, what are we doing here kind of scene. Well, some of the plot stuff was a little bit, like the whole bit with, uh, what is it, like Beetlestein, what's his name? Finkelstein? Finkelstein. Dr. Finkelstein? Yeah, yeah. his whole bit with Sally, and be like, give me Nightshade, and I'm like, that doesn't really... Well, I mean, you're, it's kind it of proving really her... her um, uh, like, not, it, it, I, she's it restless, will show and she's dissatisfied, she and try, she's clever. She's trying to get out of her current right you know state that she's in right now like her living conditions mm-hmm. i understand that but it's also like it doesn't really get resolved by the end of the movie either yeah it does because you see dr fingelstein with his new creation and he's just enraptured so, with he, her. so he just says come like, he basically whatever made himself Sally. a new companion and yeah, yeah. okay i yeah, cause yeah I, 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 I couldn't tell that you from see like that i, at the I very see end, that yeah. but it's also like okay well i mean sally's kind of alone does she go back home or does she just go live with jack at the end yeah, she goes like, up I to don't... the top of the hill, and then they hug and kiss, and then they go back to um, yeah, that's, that's Skellington what I mean. like, Tower. Like, did, did they go back to Stanley yeah, they live happily Tower, ever after. Or, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah, they live happily ever after with their ghost dog, Zero. Zero was one of the best parts He's of He's cool, movie. huh? Zero was great. I love his See, design because he's basically just a triangular sheep. Yeah, he's just a sheep. And with, then like with a, the dog, a dog skull yeah. and like paper ribbon... Mm-hmm. ears it kind of like the little, some of the stuff uh, they did in kubo where yeah, he's like little, i liked his jack-o'-lantern yeah nose. it had a little light up nose and he you know kind of becomes the rudolph replacement mm-hmm. which is clever uh yeah i think zero is a real stroke of genius as far as the design because they could have just gone skeleton dog yeah like they, they did in just... corpse bride which was fine in corpse bride but yeah. zero is an iconic character i think. just wish he would i wish he was used more like yeah. i, I would have liked more of a zero as Maybe take out some of, you know, the mayor's stuff Uh and maybe put more zero in. Sure, sure. Well, um, you know, I think over time he has become one of the most favorite, one of the most, yeah, one of the most favorite characters from people out there. And, you know, I'm playing that um, iPhone app game called Magic Kingdoms. Mm -hmm. And right during October, they're doing a, a holiday theme or a Halloween theme with it. And it's the whole Nightmare Before Christmas thing is coming in. And you can only buy three characters from Nightmare Before Christmas. is Jack, Sally, and Zero. So, I mean, he's already like the C-3PO of the crew. I mean, he's like right up there with the, you know, the iconic ones like that you want to get. Why can't he put C-3PO up there, not R2? I just grabbed one. Well, I I mean, I admit, I, I C-3PO is my favorite droid in Star Wars. I like C-3PO. You don't like R4? Uh, which one's R4? That was Obi-Wan's. Oh, yeah, I mean, he gets blown uh, up. I like R2-D2 a lot. I like BB-8, but C-3PO, it just, when I was younger, he annoyed the heck out of me. But as I've grown older and as I've, you know, ingested a ton of British television, 
there's something about C-3PO and what's his name, Anthony Daniels. Yeah. His performance, just I I love it. I think he's delightful. So yeah. Anyway, it, that's a sidetrack. Yes. So I want to go back to one character that you mentioned that you didn't like the design of, and that's Oogie Boogie. As we all know, I picked Oogie Boogie as one of my top monsters, mm-hmm. and I think the idea that they came up with for Oogie Boogie is incredible. I love the design of him, how he's basically just a burlap doll sewn together, and what he's stuffed with is living bugs. Yeah, he's just a sack the, full of bugs. The glow worms as the That teeth. is so creepy and amazing. And the way that that gets revealed is awesome. He meets such a gruesome end, so to speak. And with with Santa, like, smashing out that last bug and, yeah. and smearing it around with his foot is so good. But then also just his character, his charisma and his swagger as a villain. And he's got this cool, weird torture chamber slash casino lair. <laughs> and he's a gambling boogeyman. I just love it, and they and they wrote that incredibly awesome, jazzy, bluesy number for him to sing, uh, which was sung by Ken Page of Broadway fame. Um, shout out to Cats, and um, yeah. yeah, and uh, it, I think he's great. He's my favorite character in the movie, and I I just like the way that they used. Um, you know, glow in the dark paints and black lighting in that scene to change the mood as like the neon was turned on in the casino and you know he turns that bright green color and man it's just that scene is endlessly entertaining to me and then when they go back there and and jack is rescuing sally and and saint nick uh i i just love any of the scenes that are in there and i wish there was more of it i wish he was a bigger part of the movie but i think he's a great foil for Jack um, in this movie, and I think his character is, is handled just perfectly. So I'm disappointed that you didn't like him as much, but again, going back to your the aesthetics yeah, of Yeah, especially like, if I don't I, like Halloweens sense. and I don't like things that are gross and I don't like bugs. Right. You can see where I did not care for Oogie Boogie. Yeah, I get it. Okay, music going time. that music. Let's talk about the great Danny Elfman. So... I know that especially with animated movies that you don't really pay attention to the music much. I don't, I don't pay attention to like the score. The score, that's yeah. right. Now this is a musical, so there's a song in pretty much every scene mm-hmm. where the characters sing. So what's your kind of what's your impression of it? What's your take? Like what did it do for you or to you as you watched? This is Halloween did nothing for me. Because um, it didn't set up the movie well enough for you, or well, no, I mean, like all you have to say is like this is Halloween Town, we get it, but then they just kept going on and on and on, and it's I, kind I, of like I, an opening I overture, kind of and gives I understand you, people like the movie. It shows you all the characters and it introduces several of them, and yeah, you get to see that they're there. It's like the the final wrap up for Halloween that year, and the Pumpkin King rides in and. You know, and it I ends, like his, you realize, like, oh, they're congratulating him for another successful Halloween. His and entrance and everything was pretty cool. Oh, yeah. He's like, I love like, that. On like a scarecrow. fire and then, like, goes into the well and mm-hmm. pops up and he's like, I'm here. Yeah. That was pretty cool. Yeah, um, I agree. I liked uh, What's This. 
Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that the one that's called? Yeah. What is I, this? I thought that was a good song. I like I love that. that song. Like yeah. Jack just discovering everything. Yeah. And just like being in wonder of everything. Mm-hmm. That was one of the like the only times that I felt like any like sort of like real emotion from that because he's okay. like, oh my gosh, like everything's yeah. so cool and shiny and new. <laughs> I thought that was cool. Uh, Sally's song was pretty good. Oh, yeah. Um, so good. Boogie Boogies, whatever. Yeah, that, but, that's, that's incredible to me. It's such a good song. What did you think about Jack's Lament? That's his first ballad at the oh, very beginning yeah. where he kind of reveals his discontent. Ten, yeah. I understood that. Like, I got that. Like, his, mm-hmm. like that song is good just because you're like, um, yep, I yeah. I can totally see where you're coming from. Yeah, he's like you're not living. Feels like he's plateaued life. and yeah, there's nothing better. And I I think it's it's the best song in the movie. It's it's perfectly composed. The lyrics are incredible. The line about I can take off my head to recite Shakespearean yeah. quotation. I love that line. It, just, lyrically and melodically, that song is just it's incredible. And I. I can't get over how good it is every time I hear it. So to me, that's like the signature piece of the movie. But I agree with you about Sally's song. I think Sally's I song Sally's is perfectly really haunting and, and gorgeous in its um, melody and, and the sentiment behind it is, you know, it makes sense. It makes sense to their characters. You know, she's kind of just a, a person in this town. He's yeah. the freaking pumpkin king. So, you know, she couldn't just, like, go and say, oh, I like you, Jack. Yeah, like, at you the know? very beginning. Well, like, see, I, I thought it was weird because I didn't understand it. And we, I brought this up last night. Mm-hmm. I didn't understand if Jack knew her or not. Yeah, and I think just, everybody... It, 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 it doesn't seem that it's made clear just because uh, Finkelstein says his name. Yep. He doesn't want her to be seen. He's like, you're not ready yet. He doesn't yet. want her to leave his side. Yeah, she but can he's go like, out, he's but like, with him. You're, you're not ready yet. You're, you can't go to right. all this stuff like that. So I'm like, maybe But she's she been out and about know. just with him. I, it's un, I think it's understood that everybody in Halloween Town knows everybody in Halloween Town. Well, uh, There's yeah, only like I, I 30 people there, just and for me, they all work together. Like, it wasn't like crystal clear. Yeah, I get that. I get that. I mean, I have the luxury of having seen this movie probably yeah. 50 times, so I've kind of worked through all those problems in my head already. So, yeah, I feel like everybody knows everybody. And he, the first time we see them together, he's, he mentions her by he name. He does say Sally, yeah. So, uh, you know, it wasn't like an introduction. It was, Sally, you're going to make my costume, you know. And, you know, I, the, that final song where they meet at the top of the Curly Hill. Mm-hmm. Which I don't know if that hill has a name, but it's Curly hill. so freaking cool. I love that element. And it's become, you know, the iconic scene in that movie. And... You know, he's basically confessing, you know, God, you've been here this whole time and I haven't really noticed you. I know who you are and I've seen you around, but I haven't really realized that, oh my gosh, you're the one for me. And I like stories like that where it's like right at the end, it's like, oh my gosh, yes, you're the one. Uh, Those those are the types of stories that I, those are one of the types of romances that I really like. like. And so I think it's cool that you kind of wait the whole movie and then right at the end, you know, Jack kind of figures out a lot of things like, okay, I can rock this Halloween thing. You know, I got a little complacent. I went off and did this thing. I'm going to learn from this mistake. I'm the freaking pumpkin King. I'm the best at this. I'm going to go rock it. And then basically a moment later he realizes, 
Oh, oh yeah. And I've got this, this was... awesome girl, too. Yeah. And she loves me. And we're going to be happily ever after. Or scarily ever after. Whatever they are in Halloween Town. Scarily ever after. Yeah. So back to the music, which is where we started. I think that as a musical, it's among the best animated musicals ever made. And I think, to me, it's still my favorite Danny Elfman work. He's done so many things that I've loved, but this one is still the best because it's just such a great traditional musical with, you know, big numbers and ballads and, you know, ensemble numbers. And I just think it hits all the good points of a good musical. And you've got several different styles in the songs. The score is amazing. And it's it's easily one of my favorite soundtracks of any genre and i think i would i'd be hard pressed to to say any other animated movie has a supremely better uh soundtrack i think it's up there with the very best okay you did not i mean like i said it, it's it, this is just isn't a movie for me yeah like these types of movies are do not you movies think for you me. could listen to the soundtrack on its own like not watch the movie but just listen to the soundtrack and get more out of the soundtrack probably i bet you could because it man it's really spectacular and i listen to it on its own all the time i think it's it's one that i listen to year round it's not just and this movie really is not just a halloween movie for me it's just a great animated it's just movie. whenever you're yeah. Oh, interestingly, I, I think I mentioned to you this before, but I read that on Rotten Tomatoes, this movie is actually ranked as their number one Christmas movie, which I thought was interesting. Well, you know. I don't, I don't really think of this as a Christmas movie. And, and I, I saw an interview once of Tim Burton where he, he said that he created this because it didn't feel like there was enough um, Halloween specials. Because like, the original concept was it was going to be a TV special. And you know, there's all those Christmas specials that yeah. come on. There, there really aren't that many Halloween specials. Great At least back, back then there weren't. Yeah, you had Great Pumpkin. That's it, really, back yeah. then. And so, you know, it's intended as a Halloween piece. So it's weird that Rotten Tomatoes has it on their Christmas lists. Well, I mean, it's 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 one of those movies that it could totally be either one. Like, yeah, I don't know. I, like, it, 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 is, it is a Halloween movie, but mm -hmm. if you're, you But they know, throw some Christmas in. Exactly. And yeah. if you're, like, a weirdo, you right. watch it for Christmas, too. Yeah, that's Instead true. of watching the fluffy bunny, wonderful Christmas stuff that usually comes on. <laughs> all right, so this movie, as we all know at this point, has a huge cult following. No. I mean, this is basically probably the biggest cult movie of our time. Donnie Darko. Donnie Darko would be one that, that actually has a pretty big cult following, but not even close to this, I don't Snatch. think. I mean, maybe. Fight Club. But has any of Food them nonsense. are any of them directly related to the continued success of a national franchise store like Hot Topic? Maybe Boondock Saints. I doubt it. Not even close to Nightmare. I mean, Nightmare is like the front window display of every Hot Topic for the last twenty years. Yeah. I mean, it it is such a huge licensing and merchandising enterprise now that i mean it's like its own thing now it's like a subculture almost and you know i i don't know why specifically it is that way compared to other movies like i can't think of any other animated movie that's had that sort of merchandising run or totoro yeah maybe in japan 
Not here, I'd though. I'd say Totoro's, like, huge over here, too. It's big, but I don't yeah. think it's anything like, you know, Jack and Sally and Frozen. Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah, but Frozen's with little kids, though. I mean, I'm talking I about teenagers like and adults too. and... Yeah, but they're not necessarily buying an Elsa are there, t-shirt. Are there, see, here's the thing. Like, are there still a lot of younger generation people that are buying this stuff? Or is it the people my age that are going back for nostalgia purposes and buying all this stuff? You know, see, Like, are, are, are there 12-year-olds that are buying Nightmare Before Christmas? I think there are, and I, and I see them around. And I think a lot of that is because it is kind of its own subcultural thing and you know when when this movie came out it was kind of and i'm not really familiar with this genre but in my, from my perspective it was kind of at that um the early stages of that 90s goth music um wave that came through with the marilyn mansons and the nine inch nails and you know what trent reznor did after that you know i, I and it I think there's some sort of link to that and that time period and that, you know, kind of subculture and that aesthetic and, you know, whatever we want to call it, that is the undercurrent of that persists. And I think that um, there's an element of that. So as, you know, tweens and teenagers start to, you know, figure out their identities and figure out which group they belong in and, you know, whatever we all go through as kids and we start to identify with certain things, I think there's still that undercurrent of that. I mean, they may not even call it goth anymore. I don't know. I'm an old guy. But, you know, that sort of thing. And I think that drives a lot of it. But then also think about all of the people that were, you know, 16 to 20 when this movie came out. They're now in their 30s, 40s, and they've got kids, they've got kids and they're and showing their showing kids, kids this great movie that I loved when I was younger. And so... You know, we hear our friends over at Cloud City Cast talk about their kids watching all these old Disney movies that they love, and they're in love with them. You know, they don't care that Aladdin is 24 years old. They just know that it's awesome, and they're totally into it. And, you know, I don't think, especially with animation, I don't think there's an age on animation because it's, you know, it's almost timeless. You know, when it's created, it's, it's already this universal thing. Whereas a lot of film, you know, especially if it's a very effects-driven movie, it becomes dated rather quickly visually, and you know they use often use a lot of concepts and language and you know scenery and things that become dated. Where in animation, so much of it is all fantasy anyway that there's no there's no timeline on that. There's no expiration date on that. So I think kids that turn on Nightmare Before Christmas now and see it for the first time would ha stand the exact same chance of falling in love with it that they did in 1993. Okay. That's how I feel. I can kind of see that. Yeah. So, I mean, so for whatever reason, it just keeps going. I mean, at Disneyland, there's a whole store just for Nightmare Before Christmas. That's not true of any other thing I can think of. I can't think of any other movie that has its own store filled with just its merchandise. 
There's no like Cars store or anything like that. You're right. There's a whole land of Cars land. Yeah. And every store in there is nothing but Cars. You're right. Thank you. I think they um, think they would do like a Halloween town. Like maybe not in land just because they don't have a lot of space, but maybe it like would in be world cool. or something. It would be really cool. And I and I believe that there were originally thoughts of doing that. Um, and that is kind of what led them into the overlay of the Haunted Mansion, which they do at Disneyland, where they basically for two months, no, like four months out of the year, they bring in this overlay where they install Nightmare Before Christmas as the theme of the Haunted Mansion. They give it this huge overhaul, and it turns into a very different experience. Interestingly enough, this is the first year that they added Sally to the ride, where she hasn't been there for the last 15 oh, I, years. Oh, I assume they would have you know replaced constance with sally uh no they don't even show constance in the holiday version it's kind of filled with that whole attic area is filled with presents and you see that big orange and black striped snake up there oh. and he's eating all the presents okay it's pretty cool um, no they Jeez. just added her to the graveyard scene and she's kind of with her elbows propped up on a grave she's being all cute and like wistfully looking over at jack and kind of batting her eyelashes and kicking up her little leg in the back and it's nice. really cute you can tell she's in love and uh you know so i think they originally had wanted to maybe create something like that you know there were talks i think as late as 2000 of making a sequel to the movie because it had become such a success they'd already re-released it to theaters twice by then and um it, it's had as many re-releases to the theater as any contemporary animated film uh, probably more because they, then they remastered it in 3D and they released it several times in 3D after that. I think it's had half a dozen or more re-releases in theaters. Jeez. So, it, I mean, it, it's just a persistent little film, which I love. Nice. I think it's been awesome. So what, if you, I assume this is a recommend for you. This is absolutely a recommend for me. I, I don't even think there's really any scary parts for little kids i mean unless they just get you know i know some kids just see things like that and it's scary to them because they associate you know monstery characters with scariness that may be how you were as probably kid. I, don't know, I mean i would have been might be why five yeah when that yeah. movie came out so mm -hmm. it was probably scared me yeah so i mean there's some scary looking things but i don't find this movie scary so i'd recommend this for really people of all ages i think it's it's got value at any age yeah what do you think would I you mean, recommend it i most of the people that i know have already seen this movie sure so, I mean, sure will i show it to my kids probably not okay if their friends show it to them all the better they can watch it there <laughs> i mean it's not anything that i'm gonna go out and purchase right or probably ever mention again okay well so, on that note how many dipper pines do you give it uh, I'll give the same thing I gave Corpse Bride. I give it two Dipper Pines. Two? Whew. Yeah. That's crazy to me. Uh, well, this is one of those movies that I bequeath the oh, full Lord. five Jiminy Crickets to. So I think this is probably our our biggest difference on a film because this to me is one of the very best uh, that I've ever seen. You've not given a two or anything low, have you? You've given three. No, I feel like I gave lowest. one a two. I'll have to go back and look, but okay. you know, I I have really liked a lot of things we've watched. So, but this is this is one of my fives. 
So nice. Top top of the tops. So uh, Josh, this concludes our Spooktober. Yeah. We're done with it. What did what did you think of the series? Did you have fun doing it? I I did. It was it was quite fun. I found a movie mm-hmm. that I was so enthralled with yeah. that I went and bought it <laughs> and watched the sequel and then yeah. bought the sequel. Man. So that's Hotel Transylvania. Right? Hotel Transylvania. Yeah. Yeah. So honestly, this worked out for me. Yeah, that's and great. I got to see Monster House again. I did too, and I got to rediscover it and remember how entertaining that movie is. It's it's a really fun movie. I liked it. Um, of course, I love Corpse or yeah, Corpse Bride. I think that's a beautiful film. Uh, Paranorman for me was my number two in this list. It's so good i loved paranorman i loved the whole vibe of it and just the beauty of the animation that is is you know that it's in the tradition of nightmare before christmas and this long tradition we have now of stop motion feature animation films and you know i think one leads to the other and leica is just killing it lately so yeah i think spooktober has been fun it's been a blast i think we're probably going to um steer directly out of the way of uh, domestic films for the next couple. Maybe, yeah, maybe bring some yeah, anime back to the next, podcast. Next and... week is an anime that we awesome. um, anime film that we will be covering. Let's, let's go that visit not, our friends that in Japan. I'm not 100 sure is very well known. Okay, cool. I'd love to introduce yeah. our audience to more things. So that's great. Awesome. All right, ready to hit into this top five? Let's do it. Here we go, top five. And now for another top five. Okay, okay, let's do the top five. Gavin, you get to go first. Yes. So since this movie featured uh, what I consider a pretty iconic animated couple, we decided to rank our top five animated couples. So I'm going to go first and kick it off with number five. And I'm going from my favorite let's see if I know any of these. Pixar I'm film. Sure I will. I'm going with Lightning McQueen and Miss Sally. <laughs> They're my favorite car couple. And <laughs> I think they're great. So that's mm-hmm. mine. Um, I knew you'd shake your head at that. If you, you guys can't see him, but he's shaking his head. And that's fine. I stand behind cars. I do now, and I will to my dying day. Go. All right. My number five. See if you know any of mine. I probably won't. My number five is going to be Sosuke Sagara and Kaname Chidori from Ooh. the anime Full Metal Panic. Full Metal and Panic. And Full Metal Panic Fumafu, which is like their spinoff comedy. Is that series. related to Full Metal Jacket? It's not related to Full oh, okay. Metal Jacket. No. I didn't know. Yeah. It's kind of, it's a, it's a mech show. So this is from a TV show, an animated yes. series. See. Okay. Got it. Yeah. The majority of mine are from series. Mm-hmm. I are have, they all anime? Um, There's a good amount of anime and cartoons, okay. everything kind of mixed together. Okay, cool. Is that it? You're, it? You're done? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to go on the why just because it's going to be ridiculous. So <laughs> number four. Forever. All right, for me, uh, a couple that I know you love from a movie that I know you love, set in Africa. Oh. That's Simba and Nala. Nice. I love those two. That movie um, just – that movie inspired me in so many ways. And I love the, the cool story about – you know, I love romances where it's like they were kids, and it's like, ew, I can't marry him. That'd be too weird. Yeah, that was great. And then, great. of course, they end up and being end adults, up and they're like, oh, yeah, you're kind of great, and I'm in love with you. And it's like, you can't marry her. Together. She's my best friend. Yeah. <laughs> I great. love stories like that, yeah. so I think that's a great example of one. My number four from the Disneyverse is going to be a little movie 
about Greek heroes. We're yes. going to go Hercules and Meg from <laughs> Disney's Hercules. Excellent pick. Their, their whole little story just together. Yeah. The Meg trying to – like because Hercules is like, boom, right from the back. Lover. Yeah. Going for it. Mm-hmm. Narrowed in. Yeah. Meg's like, no, no, can't, can't get close to anybody. Mm-hmm. If they get close to people, they get hurt and everything like that. And yeah. Or they hurt me. And mm-hmm. well, she's kind of the hot... realizes her feelings. Yeah, and she's kind of the hot, savvy girl who kind of gets it and and can kind of be manipulative and you know, you know, sway things to her way. And he's kind of the classic, like big, handsome guy who's mm-hmm. a little bit clueless and you know, he's kind of new to the social world, yeah. so he doesn't really. You know, he can't really navigate those romance waters as well. And so on that level, I think it's just, it's iconic and classic. And, yeah. Nice. Yeah, that's that's a great pick, man. It's great. I, I'm realizing now, and I, I don't know that I realized it before, but all of mine are from Disney, Disney? and Pixar. Really? Yeah, they are. I couldn't really think of a whole lot of couples outside of that. And From I don't Lola know why. Flintstone. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't really think of Pebbles them. Pebbles and Bam Bam. I didn't think of the Jetsons. I thought of, well... We'll get into honorable mentions in a minute. Yeah. Uh, okay. No, so don't worry. We will. My number three is what I consider to be the cutest Disney couple, most adorable, sweetest, cutest couple. Lady and the Tramp. No. Oh. No. It is two animals though. Okay. From the Rescuers. Oh, okay. Bernard and Bianca. Nice. I like it. So sweet. I love those two. They're. They are they're adorable. Just, yeah, they're the greatest, and they just they fit so well together, and they're a great team. Yeah, they're nice. they're my kind of couple. Okay, well, my number three, mm-hmm. going back to Disney for this film set in Africa. Ooh. We're gonna go Simba and Nala from yes. The Lion King. I like when we have at least one crossover. Yeah, yeah, that's nice. Good pick. Yeah, Good I pick. yeah, those two are. The only reason they're not higher, mm-hmm. just because I've only got one movie with them, and oh, like you yeah. know, you know, there's the ro- like the romance is there, like yeah. basically almost from the beginning. Mm-hmm. But with these other two, it develops. Yeah, over the course of a series. Over the course of a series. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, got it. That is sometimes a limitation of feature animation is you don't have long character development that you can have in a show. Yeah. So it which, makes sense. Which kind of sucks, but yeah, yeah. But you know, some. Um, movie franchises go on and on and on like land before time and toy story dude uh (laughs) ducky and petrie for the win (laughs) ridiculous okay my number two i'm going with another animal couple from the greatest animated adventure film of all time zootopia no robin hood and maid (laughs) marion the maid mariah to me these are the best example of just starry-eyed young lovers yeah who you know for a time they're kept apart but they just keep the faith that one day i just i i think their story is delightful and yeah it's a beautiful little romance golly what a day um (laughs) thanks no problem okay my we're we're rushing through these because our episode's going so long yeah it's a very long episode (laughs) just so you guys know (laughs) my number two Mm mm-hmm is going to be Ryuji and Taiga from Toradora. It's an anime. Ooh. Yeah. I have no idea what this is. Yeah, it's fine. We may we may go into it. We may not. It's like 24 episodes. Okay. But the gist of it is 
he likes one girl. Mm-hmm. She likes like basically he likes her friend. She likes his friend, oh. and so they're like, okay, let's get together, and I'll help you win her heart if you help me win his heart. And they end up and they end in up love. falling in love with each other. And what a classic so device! Cute. I like it. Yeah, and it works so well. What kind of an anime is that? Is that uh, science fictiony or is no, it just it's, like it's just we're like all a, in high school? Or? Yeah, it's just like a slice of life school okay. shojo type. Okay. That sounds yep. like that. That that's very cool. My, I like my I like cup stories. of tea. That yeah, I like storylines like that too. That's awesome. All right, Gavin. Honorable mentions. Okay, um, like I told Josh, this was a little bit harder for me. I couldn't think of really a great number for of once couples. It was harder for Gavin than it was for Josh. I couldn't think of a ton of couples that I really wanted on a top five list, but uh, I think the only one outside of Disney and Pixar was. I did think of uh, Homer and Marge Simpson. I, I kind of wanted to put them on the list, but they didn't quite make it for me. I also had Flynn and Rapunzel because I do love them. Yeah. Um, I did have Hercules and Megara in the running. I think they're just a classically beautiful, awesome couple and entertaining as well. And then from today's movie, I had Jack and Sally in the running as well. But to me you know, kind of your problem with it was kind of the reason why I didn't put them on this list because really they don't, or at least Jack doesn't realize it and they don't get together until the very last second of the movie. So throughout the movie, they're not a couple. We just have to imagine them being a couple from there on out. So that, for that reason, they didn't make the list. So those are my, my, it's my short list of honorable mentions. My number one is the best looking Disney couple of all time. They have the best Disney love song that they sing as a duet together. You already said Simba and Nala. No, no, they don't sing that song. Well, they sing the they sing those it. couple of lines, yeah, at the beginning. But uh, I wonder who it could no, be. I'm going Aladdin and Jasmine. You mean Aladdin? They're my yeah, Aladdin. They're my favorite couple. I I think they're just classically Disney. They're beautiful wonderfully drawn their characters play out in an amazing way and we do get to see them further their relationship as we get aladdin two and three and to me they're the top disney couple i love i love them (laughs) (laughs) it's you gotta watch it to get aladdin three and aladdin three is awesome (laughs) that's the only problem you have to get i know you do it's it's not the worst thing they've ever done, but it's definitely not That's the best. one of the worst things they've ever done. Yeah, I wasn't going to say that. Okay. All right. Um, everybody get comfortable yeah, because Josh has back. two pages of couples. Uh, if you don't want to hear these, you may want to – Gavin, you may want to go get a drink, you know, <laughs> make yourself something. Let me, let me pour a cocktail for this one. All right. Sit back, folks. Here we go. Now, I had to – it was semi-difficult for me just because I put on my top five – Couples that actually became couples, not like ships, not anything that there's a lot of ships on my thing, mm-hmm. uh, my honorable mentions, but anything that's left ambiguous at the end of the movie. Right. Like on my honorable mentions, they they do get together, you know, either like halfway through in the last half of the movie, mm-hmm. but you don't ever see what comes of it. Right. So you it don't just, get to see the exactly, actual relationship. Exactly. It just kind of happens like there'll be a kiss and you're like oh they shared a kiss that's cute mm-hmm. what happens you don't know we don't know nobody knows there's no <laughs> there's nothing no story or anything kind of to like go with jack it. and sally exactly yeah 
So this is a smattering of anime and <laughs> cartoons. There's Disney stuff. There's all kinds of stuff on here. All right, bring it to us. Okay. I'll, if you if you know any of these, I want you to say yes. Okay. Or just I know that one. Okay. Okay. Uh, Ty and Sora from Digimon. I don't know that one. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, Star and Marco from Star vs. the Forces of Evil. I know that one. Because they're not technically a couple yet. Oh. The, it's, you think it's, it's going starting. that way? We'll do the Starco. It's like Harry, it's Harry and Ginny Weasley where we knew from book one, but it took them, t- took them till book seven. Did we meet Ginny in book one? Oh, yeah. She's yeah. like a little girl. Yeah. Um, Robin and Starfire from Teen Titans. Okay. I know that one. That's uh, a good one, by the way. Dipper and Pacifica from Gravity Falls. I don't know Pacifica. Yeah, I don't even know. I haven't gotten to her, I guess. Um, Ash and Misty from Pokemon. It's all right. Judy Hopps and Nick Wilde from Zootopia. Oh, I do know that one. See, that one to me is really ambiguous. Like exactly. Like, what does she mean by? I can't quite tell. What does that mean? What does that mean? Yeah, I can't quite tell. Maybe, maybe they'll do a Zootopia two, and we'll find out, or they'll do a short film or something. Electric Zulu. Oh my gosh, that's the weakest one yet! <laughs> that was great! Um, Aladdin and Jasmine from Aladdin. Excellent. Uh, Tomokami Joe and Mikota Misaka from A Certain Scientific Railgun. Yeah, don't worry about that. I, I don't know that. Um, Soul and Maka from Soul Leader. Don't know about that. Nope. Akihisa Yoshi and Minami Shimada from Bach and Tess. Don't know about that. <laughs> uh, Arnold and Helga from Hey Arnold. I never watched really Hey Arnold, Arnold, so yeah, I don't right. really know it. Um, Bugs and Lola Bunny from oh, Space Jam and the Looney Tunes. Good one. I I really oh, wanted to put them on there because about it kind of happens a little bit in Space Jam, and then when they did the Looney, did you ever watch the Looney Tunes show? Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. When they did the Looney Tunes show, she was kind of like his stalker. Yeah. Kind of, and I was like, eh, but Bugs did kind of have a in little a bit towards. In a less creepy than Miss Piggy way. A very less creepy <laughs> than Miss Piggy. She's aggressive. Um, Sokka and Toph from Avatar: The Last Airbender. Okay. Uh, Finn the human and Marceline the vampire queen from Adventure Time. Uh, T.J. Detweiler and Ashley Spinelli from Disney's Recess. <laughs> um, Sakura and Lee from Cardcaptor Sakura. Uh, Maroko and Sango from Inuyasha. Italy and Germany from Hitalia. You didn't really watch a lot of Hitalia. I haven't seen any of it. I haven't seen any of it. Um, Roger Smith and Dorothy Rainwright III from Big O. It's been a while since I've known any of these. Um, Troa and Catra from Gundam Wing. Hiccup and Astrid from How to Train Your Dragon. Oh! Yeah. Man, okay. That was Hannah, a good Hannah pick. Hannah, help me out with Hiccup and Astrid. That is I a had completely good, forgot about Hiccup good and Astrid. pick. Man, yeah. that I like them. Uh, Miria and Isaac from Bakano. Uh, Yoko and Kamina from Gurren Lagann. Page two. Oh my gosh, people were just on... That was just, <laughs> that was the just first one, page. That was just one. <sighs> um, Ashikata and San from Princess Mononoke. Because again, okay. ambiguous That's at the end. That's very ambiguous, but th- it, it would be cool if they're a couple. Mm-hmm. Uh, Daisuke Niwa and uh, Riku Harada from Dean Angel. It's an anime, don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. Um, Raku and Chitoke from Nisikoi. Anime, don't worry about it. <laughs> Rock and Revy from Full Metal Panic. Didn't you already do a Full Metal Panic? Oh, that was. Oh, I'm sorry. I put Full Metal Panic. In. That's Black Lagoon. Okay. I'm sorry. Rock and Revy. That's Black Lagoon. Sorry about that. I apologize. It's all right. Um, Shikamaru Nara and Tamari from Naruto. Don't worry about it. Gray and Juvia from Fairy Tail. Don't worry about it. Bash the Stampede and Meryl from Trigun. 
Did you not watch Trigun? You watched Cowboy Bebop. I've never seen a single Trigun anything. Whatever. Uh, Klaus and Lavi from Last Exile. Wow, these are like all anime now. Um, Shinji and Asuka from Neon Genesis Evangelion. Okay, I know that one. like that redhead. Um, <laughs> Shocker. Kai and uh, Aki from Robotics Notes. Anime, don't worry about it. Um, Kinji and Natsuki from Summer Wars. We watched Summer Wars. Oh, yeah. We, did, we, we never put Summer Wars out, did we? That was a test. We never did Summer Wars. Oh, uh, yeah, we did a test episode, but, but we, we, didn't, put it out. we didn't release it. May, we may redo that Maybe an one. anime. Maybe we'll redo that Or anime. Because that's your favorite anime, anime day. right? One of my favorite movies. Anime, anime films? Yeah, one of my favorite yeah. films. Yeah. Cool. Um, then we have uh, Shiro, Emiya, and Ren Tosaka from Fate Stay Night. Wait, was that a menage a trois? Hmm? Was that three people? Shiro Emiya is his name. And Ren Tosaka. Oh, you paused between the first and I last did. name, so I thought it was. I had to, I, I forgot his name for a second. I was just going to say Shiro Triangle. and Ren. Holy cow! Oh no, that's that's a later. Um, but yeah, so <laughs> my honorable mentions are now out of the way. Jeez. So we go back to first page. All right, drop your drop your number one on. My us. number one from the Disney Channel is going to be from this little show called Kim Possible. We're going to do Kim Possible and Ron Stoppable. I didn't know there were a couple. Yes, uh, last season. Oh, well, okay. I think it happened in a stitch in time. I think they became like a couple, or they admitted their feelings, and then at the beginning of the last season, they were like officially a couple. Are you counting how many there were? Twenty nine. There's only twenty nine. Honorable mentions. Only twenty nine. Oh, you could have gone on and on and on. Oh, I'm yeah. sure. And you've clearly exemplified something that we've mentioned many times on this show is that you always want a little romance in your animated yeah. series. You just want a little little shit going on. I could have put some more in there too, but I did. Sure I, I felt it would have been too long. Yeah, <laughs> man, that the hiccup and what's and Astrid. Name? Astrid. That's a good pick, man. I do love that series. The only reason they're honorable mentions, and by the way, those are in no particular order except Ty and Sora. Right. Which should be together forever, which hopefully <laughs> Digimon Try will fix that. Oh my gosh. But uh, we're not going to talk about Digimon. All right. Well, that's that's an epic top five <laughs> right there. We we intended to keep it short, but your mile-long list of honorable mentions it lengthened it a little bit. It super long. <laughs> it's pretty long. Uh all right, man. Well, I think that's that's all she wrote for October, man. Yep. I think we're good, and we're gonna move it into something different next time. Yes. Ready for? I'm excited and because November seems like it's gonna be interesting. Yeah, I'm really excited because I'm getting a chance for the first time in a while to see something I've never seen before. Yeah. Because I saw all of these five that we did for yeah. October, so I'm really excited, and I've been really wanting to watch some anime lately. So, I. Yeah. yeah are you are you okay? I mean, I like anime. I just am not overexposed to it like you are. Oh, man. Well, just that, there's the bookshelf right oh, there. If you want to grab bookshelf. anything, just grab it. That's impressive. All right, well, we've gone pretty long, so I say we wrap it up. Fine with me. All right, man. All righty, so for the Animation Station Podcast, I'm Josh, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Josh O'Kane. I'm Gavin, and you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Gavin Audison Art. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Animation Station Podcast. 
Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Animation Station Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Animate Podcast. Subscribe to us on iTunes and join the conversation at SecretSuperheroClub.com where you can connect with our podcast friends, Cloud City Cast, Getting Into Comics, and Sean of the Gathering. 